Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. <sighs> we did it! I still can't believe we got this project done so fast and so well. When I'm in New York. I'm in Chicago. And I'm in L.A. But we're making it happen in Miro. Together. Our best work just happens faster on Miro's collaborative online whiteboard. No more scheduling meeting after meeting for work that could happen from anywhere. Whether it's getting design feedback here. Mapping timelines here or brainstorming next steps here. It all just happens on the Miro board. Exactly. And it's nice not having to wait an entire day to get sign-off from this guy. Hey! Well, it is true. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com. The first three boards are free forever. That's M-I-R-O.com. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of The Geek Buddies. Hey! Hey, We're back again for another week of geeky goodness here on the channel. We're really going to stretch the term buddies when we get into our main topic discussion, I'm sure. But what we're talking about today, we're going to get into some conversations about that bat cycle, about some fun new trailers that dropped uh, over the last few days. And we're going to talk about the Star Wars rumored casting, Rosario Dawson dropping little seeds here. And people are making huge gardens out of it. So we'll see if in the end what we think about it all as we go along. Uh, first, let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on the channel. Michael? I am Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. Shan? And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Silicon Valley, Modern Family, and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. hey uh, yeah, and we're going to get into so many things here. I just want to remind, just want to thank you all for those of you who are coming back to uh, join our show yet again every week. We love you madly for 
taking the chance on us and then sticking with us every week as we get into all the things we get into. Last week's episode, over 6,000 views, which is good for us. So thank you very, very much. Keep it going. Keep sharing it. Keep telling people. I got a feeling the chapters might help you all, maybe, or maybe some of the subjects we tackled. Who knows? But either way, we're pretty happy about that. If you're new to our show, thank you very much for taking a chance on it. This is how it works. Each of us brings up Geek News Item. We talk about it amongst ourselves. For your entertainment, we take a quick five-second musical break apparently and then get into our main topic so uh let's do it now who's first up that would be me all right um all right well some big rumors 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 uh some big rumors happening in the star wars universe this past week uh as we all know uh you know star wars is going big on disney plus bunch of series coming out Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian Season 3, you know, all these different things. And, of course, the Ahsoka Tano series, Ahsoka, which everyone is super stoked about, where Rosario Dawson is going to uh, continue her journey as the live-action Ahsoka Tano. Um, Anyone who's a hardcore Star Wars fan, particularly if you are a Rebels fan, Mm. um, everyone is hoping and assuming that the Ahsoka Tano series is going to continue on the storyline that we left off with in the animated Star Wars Rebels, where Ahsoka and Sabine Wren are going to hunt down and find their good friend, uh, young Jedi Ezra Bridger. Uh, And as we all know from Mandalorian Season 2, the way to Ezra Bridger is that Ahsoka Tano is hunting down Thrawn. Um, Mm -hmm. So as we get into this casting mill, um, some pretty persistent rumors on the internet in the past week uh, that both uh, Mina Masood, who is Aladdin uh, in the live-action Aladdin remake, Mm -hmm. uh, and Lars... uh, uh, Mickelson. Mickelson. Thank you. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, as both Ezra Bridger and Grand Admiral Thrawn. Now, Lars Mickelson actually played Grand Admiral Thrawn in Rebels, mm-hmm. so that is kind of a no-brainer, um, but Hollywood doesn't always go with no-brainers, so it's a really good news no-brainer. Uh, and Mina Massad is a really a great actor and actually... Uh, really does kind of surprisingly have an Ezra Bridger vibe. Um, So this has been kind of going all over the internet. And then as Roka said, uh, Rosario Dawson has sort of um, added uh, credence to the rumors by posting a picture of the two of them uh, as Ezra Bridger and Grand Admiral Thrawn. So uh, definitely not confirmation. Still definitely in the maybe possibly just rumors online territory. Um, But something about these rumors kind of feeling like uh like there might be something behind them so uh what a what do you guys think about these rumors how secure do you think they are and what do you think of this casting if it does turn out to be true uh well i I like the casting a thousand percent and uh, i want to give a shout out to star wars news net those are my homies over there uh uh they they're they're the ones that like retweeted this stuff and uh rosario liked it or re-shared it on instagram which gave it all this impetus so she wasn't saying that they were cast she was saying she's excited if this is the truth or excited to welcome more people of color into the world of star wars so it makes her excited for sure but we don't know 100 that being said i love this idea i think a lot of people have been out behind the mickelson idea from the beginning and the mina Massad idea has been growing over the last few months i think it was some i can't remember with the other actor who had kind of stoked the flames a little bit by saying how much he liked ezra the character and there was rumors that he might be stepping in to play the character so clearly they're looking for it they're casting for it uh and i like the idea of mina Massad, especially because mina Massad, listen uh closed mouths don't get fed and mina Massad was out there on social media complaining about how he hadn't been offered any big parts since Aladdin. Uh, And uh, so 
you know, this is a way to get people's attention. This is a way to get people to focus on you a little bit. Plus, he's already in the Disney family with what he did with Aladdin. So I think all around, this is a smart move if they go about doing it. Do I think it's true? I don't believe anything until Disney says it is. Uh, Shannon? Yeah, I, I think the casting is is really spot on. I think the actor you're yeah. referring to, John, is uh, Rahul Kohli from yes, The Haunting Kooli. of Bly Manor. Yes. Um, which, Vogel and I, we actually chatted about this the other day because we had had lunch. And um, Was it good? Did you guys go get sushi? Was it? It was the greatest. You, was the greatest, you the greatest don't live ever. here. You don't live here. <laughs> you don't even go here. Do you want us to FaceTime you while we eat tacos? Just, just prop me up on there on the microphone. <laughs> Looks good. No, I would never end. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry, Shin. But um, looking at the at the <laughs> animated stature of Ezra, Ezra doesn't seem like the biggest guy. And uh, Rahul Cooley from The Haunting of Bly Manor, he is about six foot four. So while Ooh. I do think he's a great actor and face like just his just his face, I'm like, God, yeah, you'd be a great Ezra. You're a giant. Mm. Um, Mina Masood is five foot eight, and I think that that height kind of lines up a little bit better with how Ezra has been established. Now, Lars yeah. Mikkelsen as uh, Thrawn, I, I couldn't think of a more perfect person than than other than the one who who uh, did the voice. Yeah. And also, like if you if you were a fan of the BBC Sherlock um, with Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman, he played the season three villain Charles Magnuson and was just diabolically awesome and yeah. so you see him stepping into this role fantastic the fact that rosario dawson didn't just like it she shared it yeah um, i would think that if lucasfilm and disney had an issue with that that they would have told her to unshare it yeah um, and the fact that they haven't point. told her to do that at least at least as as of right now i think that seems like a pretty strong indicator um, but also we don't know when Ahsoka is going to happen as far as right. I know, like this, right. this could still be a year away. I mean, we have a lot, uh, uh, s several, uh, Star Wars shows that are going to be hitting Disney plus before this, we still have Mandalorian season three, which is supposed to come out sometime next year, book of Boba Fett at the end of this year, uh, Andor when I, I don't know yeah. when that, I think they're done. I thought that one was, was actually going to come first, but yeah. you have at least three shows that are going to come before Ahsoka. So when this is actually going to happen, who knows? Yeah. And Mike, Mike, I want to turn back to you with something Shannon said. You, you know, my, one of the reasons this show is unique, I think, on the Internet is we have someone like you, Mike, who's been executive. You've been in these conversations. You've been in these boardrooms with these situations. You've dealt with actors and, and what have you. Like, do you think Disney would do you take Shannon's point that Disney would have had this taken down by Rosario if this wasn't in any way true? Maybe I, you know. Liking and sharing something is different than saying something. I think oh, okay. when you start tweeting something, that's where the PR machine kind of comes in and is like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I think that she's in a pretty safe territory of like, I liked something. I shared it. That mm -hmm. looks cool. Now, do I think that her liking and sharing it probably means something? I think probably it does. I don't think that... Um, uh, when you're playing a role uh, in a big in a big franchise like this, I don't think you're just like, oh, look... Uh, Somebody, somebody made Glenn Close look like Princess Leia. I'll share yeah. that. Like, I think that like the fact that she's liking it and sharing it probably does lend at least a little bit of credence to the rumors. But I also don't think that Disney's going to come down and be like, "Hey, you liked a post." I think like that's no. kind of a step too far. It's like, whoa, that's crazy. Now, if she was like, I mean, if she had done something along the lines of like retweeting it and then saying wow, that's a good idea, wink, wink, <laughs> wink, then I think probably you get the PR machine to come down and be like, could you not wink? Thanks. <laughs> but I feel like this is yeah. kind of like a, you know, probably somewhere 
Um, there's a Disney or Lucasfilm executive right now with like the fact that this is like blown up the internet. That's like, God damn it. Could she have not liked that please? But like, not to the point they're going to be like, you better unlike that right now. Right. Right. Yeah. I wonder about it because I mean, she's the lead of the show. So if she, I mean, her name is in the title. So if she's going to like something or share something as she did, it kind of has more weight behind it. So you're probably right. Probably Disney, Disney didn't want it to come out this way. Uh, but now that it has, or maybe they did just to see the reaction of people to these two possibilities. And that isn't beyond their own possibility. The studio well, would allow that to happen to see the reaction. Then they can officially go forward with it. Sorry. I think that's like, there's a, that, well, no, that's actually a really good point uh, off yeah. of what you said. I think that also, Yes, Disney and Lucasfilm and these big companies, like they have the way that they want to un- unveil information. They want yeah. things to come out in a certain way, but rumors happen. Right. Now, if the rumors had come out and everyone had been like, what the fuck are they doing? And there was like a lot of rage right now, right. maybe there would be a little bit more of like, let's control this. But when news leaks and everyone is pretty much like, fuck yeah, let's mm-hmm. let's go. I am on board. You know, as much as they might be like, oh, well, we wish she hadn't liked it or we would have preferred that this didn't get leaked. We would have liked to have done a big announcement at our next big Star Wars celebration or something, um, they'll still get the heat of when they can finally announce it and the actors come out on stage somewhere or they do however they announce it, it'll still be big news. But I mean, they're probably overall pretty happy if this is indeed true. Uh, they're probably pretty happy with, okay, well, I guess we did a good job because everyone seems real, real excited on the internet right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also um, also the Obi-Wan series, which will, will, will oh, come right. before it as well. Yes. When the cast list came out for that, that that graphic they released with everyone's headshots and, and their roles, um, that came out of nowhere. Like, yeah. I, as far as I know, like, there was no, there were no rumblings that, hey, we're going to get this, uh, we're going to get this announcement where, uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. is in it and Kumail Nanjiani and and, uh, confirming like Joel Edgerton. Um, So I think I think uh, an announcement could just come out of nowhere, much, Mm -hmm. much the same way Obi-Wan did that, you know, in a a week they could they could do the same thing and just Mm -hmm. release a big graphic saying, here's everyone who's in the show. Right. Right. All right. Fair. Uh, Well, we'll see. I mean, obviously, it's uh, as Shannon said, it's a little ways off, but we also don't know how they're going to release these shows and in what order and in what form. And of course, we're back into the mask mandates and the Delta variant and the Lambda variant. And is that going to slow down production on some of these shows that are still in production or about to go into production? We don't know. So a lot is happening here. A lot of moving pieces, but we'll keep tabs on it for sure. Uh, All right. Where are we off to next? Is it me? Trailers, it trailers, me? trailers. Let's do it. So we got two this week and two two second looks at things that people have been um, hotly anticipating. Mm. The first one came out yesterday. We got our second look at Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is being directed by Jason Reitman, the son of Ivan Reitman, who directed the first two films. Uh, it stars Paul Rudd. It stars Finn Wolfhard from uh, Stranger Things, McKenna Grace, Carrie Coon. Um so the, the the reaction that the trailer seems to have gotten is not that dissimilar from the reaction that the first look got, that Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 were comedies. And this does not seem like a comedy. This seems very Stranger Things. It seems very The Goonies. Um, that being said, in my opinion, I think the movie looks really really good um you know it's we're we're just getting more looks of this you know small town i believe in oklahoma uh the fact that egon went out there for a reason and at some point uh had 
had kids and now has has grandkids. And also, we got a little uh, a little shot of uh, Annie Potts, uh, Janice. Uh, uh, but gentlemen, what did you guys think of the second look at Ghostbusters Afterlife? Janine. Janine. Oh, Janine. Excuse me. Excuse How me. very dare you, sir? <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me. I. I am super excited. I love this trailer. I thought it was great. I think when people think about Ghostbusters, I've said this a lot, and I think this is actually where the uh, the the female Ghostbusters kind of fell a little bit short, which is everybody's like, "Oh, Ghostbusters! It's a comedy. It's a it's a funny movie. It's it's supposed to be really funny," and that's true, part way. Right. I think what what made the first Ghostbusters so magic, and to a degree, Ghostbusters too, is that uh, look. Uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, uh, they got deep into some weird mythology. Like, the ghosts in Ghostbusters aren't funny, for the most part. The ghosts in Ghostbusters are scary. Like, those demon dogs are scary. Like, yeah. Zool, Gozer, like, all that, it's scary. Stay of Marshmallow Man, super funny. Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Ernie Hudson, Rick Moranis, super funny. But the movie structurally is actually an action, sci-fi, spiritual, like, adventure movie that just happens to have some of the funniest guys in the world in the lead roles. And, like, the magic of Ghostbusters was really funny guys in a otherwise very serious supernatural special effects bonanza. And I think with the all-female Ghostbusters, I think the females that were cast in that movie were fantastic. I would go see the four of them uh, and Chris Hemsworth as the himbo uh, assistant in a minute. I thought they were great. But the problem was the rest of the movie was really, really silly. Mm -hmm. And having them be really silly, fighting something really silly, that's not the Ghostbusters balance. And now maybe this trailer is leaning too far on the other side. But for me, I get way more excited because this feels like it's part of the mythology. This feels like the, it feels like there's the legacy. The, the, the original Ghostbusters are very much present in this trailer. Uh, through the YouTube videos, through the history, through the fact that this is Egon's family. And it feels like they're leaning more towards the bigger sort of uh, mythology that Ghostbusters was building on the supernatural side. And to me, I think that's the right strategy. And look, it looks like there's good... Paul Rudd's in the movie. There's a bunch of Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, like men cooking each other uh, at the grocery store. Like, I think there's going to be that humor, but I actually like that they're leaning on the other side. And I think that might be the key to making this movie work. Yeah, I think I a thousand percent agree with you, Mike, in, in that I think they took a look at what happened in that, two, I think, 2016 movie. And they're like, okay, we went all female, which I thought, which I was in support of. I didn't understand the fan, fanboys getting crazy about that. And I was like, it, it's, it's, it's a good movie. That's all that matters. And Paul Feig had a pretty good track record at the time when he did this film. And in the end, I think the film stumbles. It doesn't 100% work for me. I agree with you. It's a little silly. It, it's a, it, it takes itself too seriously and too silly at the same time, which is very, very confusing. And it doesn't really work. And Kate McKinnon, either you love her or she's in the wrong movie. You just There's no other way about oh. the way she portrays that character. So Oh, yeah, she's it, the best part of that movie. Yeah, but I don't know if she's in the movie at all. That's the thing that for me, I'm like, I don't think you're in this universe at all. So as, uh, those were the issues I had with it. And also, they were trying to pull the J.J. Abrams playbook of, well, it's kind of in the universe, but it kind of isn't. And then don't mess with the fans. Don't lie to the fans. Don't fool the fans. We're going to get to that later. 
Don't mess with the fans because they will let you know when you betray them. And I think that was the mistake of that one. This one is not making that mistake. They are very clearly, as Michael said, connecting it to those first two Ghostbusters movies. And they're making it very clear. This is in that universe. This is linearly connected. This is uh, generations of, of um, what was uh, Egon's last name? I forget Egon's, Egon's last Spangler. name. Spangler. Spangler. These are generations of Spanglers getting involved here in this situation. And you're right. Paul Rudd is where the comedy is. The Stay Puff Marshmallow stuff, that was hilarious. That was very Gremlins-esque. And I thought that was brilliant. Having Carrie Coon, that's your center. Carrie Coon, very serious, accomplished actress. I haven't seen her do comedy maybe ever. So to see her be a part of this, this is just to balance the stakes. And as Michael said, the first two films were good because the stakes were always there. New York was going to die if they hadn't done what they did. The Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and Bill Murray make the jokes, but Dan Aykroyd isn't making any jokes. Egon makes the occasional side joke. But it's it it is comedy, but it's not a it's not fucking talking out of your butt like Jim Carrey. It's more there's more going on, and I think this is the right approach, especially if you're trying to bring a new generation into this franchise. This is the right approach, and I think Finn Wolfhard and McKenna Grace acquit themselves great in the trailer, and it excited me because they're going to have the excitement. They're going to. Reg- I mean, I was I did the trailer reaction to this. I went back to being 14, being super excited to see this, and I love that it got that reaction out of me. So. For me, I think this is the right approach, 100%. People complain it's not a comedy. Kiss my butt. There's going to be jokes. <laughs> There's the jokes. Well, and I mean, also just remember, I mean, like Ghostbusters, and it's just one of those magical 80s movies that as much as it's funny and hilarious, and I do think it's a really, really funny movie, yes. like, it inspired generations of kids to put on jumpsuits and proton packs. Right, right. I mean, the <laughs> the iconography of Star Wars, like, you know, like the ghost trap, the, the proton packs, like all the pieces of it, uh, people got into that the way that we get into Harry Potter and Star Wars and all the nerdy yeah. things that we love. And so I do think the comedy is an important element to it. Absolutely. You can't have Ghostbusters without uh, yeah. a kind of a lighter humor and a touch to everything. Like nobody wants to see the super serious, dark Ghostbusters movie. But I do think that we oftentimes don't realize that like the geek side of it and the mythology side of it and the world building side of it, I think is what made it truly, truly special. Yeah, and one last thing, and Shannon, I know you hear him talking a bit, sorry, but like the 80s approach to this is that approach, right? 80s was fun, everybody's doing coke and spending money and having fun. This is 2021. Things are a bit more serious. We're a bit more aware of the world. And I think this is the approach that makes sense to me. So that's, oh, what, that's why I think it works. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, wish, wish I could have seen you in the 80s. Woo! Tie-dye shirts. <laughs> I had I had neon green shirts, parachute pants, and Coke. Anyway, all right, go ahead. Uh, Coca Cola. Well, I mean, Coca New Coke. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, I I think I think that first trailer is where I did have the ah, it's not it's not mm. funny. Um, having having uh, to sit with it for a year uh, before we got another look, right. I I came around to the concept that it that it seems like they're doing. Um, I I love the fact that they are connecting it to those old movies. I mean the the. 2016 Ghostbusters. There are a lot of moments that I that I laugh quite a bit. Overall, I was like, ah, the movie itself was, meh, it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, um, I didn't hate it. Uh, I didn't think it was some sort of you know geek sacrilege that it that it happened. But it it didn't it didn't have that magic that that the old one does. And the fact that they that last shot. I mean, they're literally calling they're calling raise a cult. Um, you know, yeah, that's Dan Aykroyd yeah. picking up the phone. Um, I love that they're connecting it. And also, when you have 
when you have a property that has been been around for so long, um, taking it in a slightly different direction, which we'll talk about later, is not always a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I I think I think thus far the choices that they're making seem to be good, you know, based off of the two minute trailer. But Mm -hmm. Ghostbusters Afterlife comes out this November, November 11th. And uh, two weeks before, three weeks before, um, we will be getting Denny Villeneuve's Dune. So we got the, uh, this This happens a lot. We've talked about this on, on Geek Buddies uh, in the past, how we generally record on Wednesdays yeah. in the afternoon. Usually Wednesday at four o'clock, some huge thing comes out. I was like, ah, damn it, we missed it. Um, which is the case with Dune. We got our second trailer for Dune coming from Warner Brothers. Um not knowing the book, like I do not know Frank Herbert's Dune. Um, I started to listen to it uh, on on Audible um, right when the pandemic started, when like we had nothing to do. So I was just going on these like ten mile walks a day. Um, the the performances of this of this particular uh, uh, version that I listened to kind of took me out of it, and I was like, you know what, this is just this is too much for me to get into right now. But the scope of this movie, the just the epic scale, like it looks. It looks just enormous, and uh, just the cast that they have with Oscar Isaac, with uh, Timothy Chalamet, Josh Brolin, Jason Momoa, Dave Bautista, Rebecca Hall. I mean, they just have, or is Rebecca Ferguson, excuse me. Rebecca Ferguson, Um, yeah. uh, They just have so many people in this movie. I mean, this looks like the type of film that we've just never really gotten before, this very serious uh, very serious, very straightforward sci-fi epic. Like we've gotten sci-fi, we've gotten Star Wars before. We've 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 had Star Trek. This is something. This is a this is a, a beast of an entirely different color. Um, and I'm super curious to hear your guys' thoughts because I think you guys know it better than I do. So fire away, Mike. Oh no. Uh, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, here's here's what I say. Uh, I loved it. I and I and I'm. I can't read that book. No way. I, I'll lose. I'll have to sit there with a notebook and just make all the games. Like, I, I no thanks. Show me what you got. Give me the book in, 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 uh, in, uh, uh, it's one of those books that I won't read. As I said, give me the book in theater for in a theatrical format. Let me have fun with it. And it looks like they opened the coffers for Denis Villeneuve to bring about his vision of this uh, world. And it's glorious. It is glorious. The visuals, the images, everything there. And just in case you think it's too much visual, also they added in scenes where they showed you scenes of some real strong personal connections between the characters. I mean, I love that sequence between Oscar Isaac and Rebecca Ferguson, then later Ferguson with uh, Timothy Chalamet. So, you know, you are my son. You know, there's a great bit of interaction there. Also, Moa and him, the the ball busting that goes on between the guys there, that's going to add something. Batista. Then you throw in the fact that you've got more of Zendaya here, and Zendaya is saying, "My people have been an enslaved people," and we're approach, we're exploring that as well. So, and then seeing the shots of Dusmalchian and Stellan Skarsgård in that character look from far away, which I think is brilliant. Let us just be teased with it. I think it all one hundred percent works. I can't wait to see it. That being said, I don't know if it's going to make any money. Villeneuve doesn't make money at the theater most of the time. He is the art house Woody Allen. And I, and I think to me, it's fascinating to watch this. And you wonder if he's going to make money overall with this movie. Because Blade Runner 2049 is one of the most glorious films I've seen in the past 40 years. And still, it didn't make dick at the box office. And so I'm worried that this won't, even with this massive cast, it won't be enough to attract people to go see this film. But it isn't going to be for lack of trying or the lack of look or the lack of what I'm looking at, scripts. Uh, uh, writing and the connection here with these actors to their parts. 
Uh, so as the one who's read the book, uh, I yes. am super excited. Uh, for a uh, two thing, one, I love Denny Villeneuve. I he's low key one of my favorite directors. I don't I don't think of him when we all talk like favorite directors, but yeah. I love Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I love Arrival. Like I think he's just I think he's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that he has just been given the runway to like just do. I mean, if you thought he was able to like just do something visually stunning with Blade Runner twenty forty nine, this this trailer like wipes the floor with Blade Runner twenty forty nine. And that was amazing looking. Yeah. Um, I think what's really cool, what I like about it is that there's some, it reminds me of um, the reaction I had when uh, Peter Jackson did Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And what, what I liked about it and why I hope this will be successful is that um, if you love Dune the books, you love Dune the books. But, uh, yeah. And they're really, they're, it's, 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 uh, the Dune the novel is well written, it's exciting, but uh, just like the Lord of the Rings books, the action is there but it's not fully brought to life on the page. It was written a long time ago. The style of like the style of sci-fi novels was a little bit different at the time. Um, it's very heady. It's very cerebral. And I think like when we saw like the, the Dune from the '80s and some other versions of it, it kind of leans on that. When you watch this trailer and the scope of it and the battles and the size of it, and it's just like it feels not just like the book brought to life, mm-hmm. but the book brought to life in a way of someone who really understood what was really going on. Like when Peter Jackson did Lord of the Rings, yeah. some of those battles that are very talked about, like you're reading a history novel when you read the book, were brought to life in a way that you're like, fuck, yeah, this is what this is what I want Lord of the Rings to be. And my, my feeling watching these characters come to life in this was they all look the way I pictured them when I read the book, which is a hard thing to pull off. But also the scale and the action is even more than I would have ever hoped. So I'm I'm stoked. I I think it's going to be huge. I hope it's huge. Uh, this is one of the movies that I've been really really looking forward to um, for a while because of the pandemic. And uh, yeah, the the combination, like you said, the cast, the talent, the director, uh, the the sci-fi novel that inspired a whole big chunk of Star Wars that has never really gotten its due on the big screen in the way that it really deserves to, like. If all the stars align, this could be absolutely huge, and I hope it is. Yep. See, what's interesting to John's to John's point about Denny Villeneuve's sort of box office track record. Yeah. Um, Blade Run, the Blade Runner sequel. Like, I I have no affection for that original movie. Like, I mm. saw it when I was too young, and right. it just didn't. I I couldn't connect the dots between like, oh, this is Indiana Jones and Han Solo, and this 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 character he's playing now. I don't. I'm not into this. Like, it just wasn't exciting enough for. For uh, for me, when I was that age, I probably was probably eight or nine years old when I saw it. And so, going to see Blade Runner twenty forty nine, I can certainly um, admire the 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 craftsmanship to the movie. I could admire the performances, but the story just did not bring me in. And maybe that's because I was kind of so disconnected from that first movie. That's what worries me about Dune is the accessibility of it for people that don't want to tackle the 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 novel. Because mm-hmm. um, even though it does the spectacle looks enormous i just wonder how how appealing it's going to be um especially with the variants you know now kind of you know rearing their ugly heads mm-hmm. how many people want to go out to the theater and see this right. movie that yeah. it's, it's such a huge well, world it seems like it might be tough a tough nut to crack yeah uh, so here here's what i will say to that uh without getting into any like spoiler territory in case you're just excited about the movie you don't want to know what happens in the book but despite me saying like the book is a little drier than like what we're used to reading today, the difference between, to me, between Dune and like say Blade Runner is Blade Runner is 
very style. It's very, it's the style is the big part of it. It's very noirish. It's a noir. It's very, yeah. Yeah. it's very uh, slow paced. It takes its time. Dune, it is a classic hero's journey. There is, there is your hero. There is his family. They are uprooted. They are going to a new location. It is a harsh location. They've got to make it work. They've got a whole team of people that work with them. They're really fun and exciting. And like the, the first hundred pages of the book, uh, this is no spoiler and it won't be the first, you know, the entire movie, but like the first hundred pages of the book are the main character, Timothy Chalamet's character, just meeting all the people one by one as he's training and getting ready to go to this new planet. And you meet each one of them and each one of them is, I would say, a Star Wars level big size personality. Like they're very clearly delineated. You are this type of character. You are this type of character. You are this type of character. So it, if you get it right, it leans really into all of the things that we love about sci-fi that even if you're not a hardcore sci-fi person, on a movie screen, these characters could come to life in a way that like a casual observer could really love them, which is what, what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. it is coming out October 22nd. Just a couple months from now. I think we'll have to push Jackass aside here, Shannon, and go see this one instead. <laughs> Maybe. Or all of us, if I can get us all in for a screening, which would be a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, well, then we'll see. Let's move on to our next thing, and that's a real quick conversation about these uh, uh, videos and pictures that surfaced just a few days ago over uh, Batflack, uh, the new Mr. J-Lo, uh, uh, getting into a bat suit, possibly, or maybe a stuntman, but we're seeing Batfleck in the Flash movie. A lot of people are pretty excited about this. We've got this massive bat cycle in this thing. So let's take a look quickly at these videos and see what our reaction to them so we can sh uh, share it with the fans here and see what they think about it as well. I'm not going to play the audio because I don't want them to ding us for the audio. So I'll just play. This is the first one here. Uh, let's start there. So you see Batman just slowing down in the cycle. Uh, I, think I, I think that's slow-mo, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just slowing down there <laughs> so you can take a good look at the construction of this thing, which looks pretty hardcore, pretty massive. Almost like a pseudo-battering ram, I would say. Uh, and then the other one that we had, let me bring it up as well. Oh, there we go. Three of us there. Uh, let me bring it up as well. Let me uh, share the screen on the other one as well. It's not as easy to do this on these stream yard situations. Uh, and this one is the other one, which we see more of a chase going on. Yeah, let me start from the beginning here. We see this kind of Humvee type vehicle come in here. Great job by the extras, by the way. Uh, and then the bicycle shows up. Now there've been close up shots of, uh, of him, the stuntman on the bicycle, but I mean, this is confirmation that he's in the movie fully. Uh, the question becomes, do you like the design of the bicycle? Does this excite you that you've seen? He's going to get a chase sequence. He's going to be a part of this stuff. What are your reactions? Well, I think we're using the phrase chase sequence very liberally here. I mean, <laughs> that's, it's being that's, that's a Humvee getting away. Well, and that's that's Batflick going like, oh, my bike's not going to make that. Who gets, who, gets, who gets away from that? I'm sure he's like analyzing where to go next. Come on. <laughs> the design, I think, is awesome. I mean, it, yeah. it reminds me of like uh, the pod racers from episode one. It's like, yeah. just take away take away the, the actual pod, just grab an engine and throw some wheels on it. Um, I think the design <laughs> looks amazing. And the way he's kind of padded up, I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to add his cape um in post mm. or if or if that's going to be just sort of his look for when he's when he's on his bat cycles like yeah i don't want the cape to get caught in the gigantic wheel behind me um it's so interesting like the the behind the scenes photos that we have seen we saw we've seen supergirl already we saw yeah. michael keaton 
we now we're seeing the, the Batfleck bat cycle. Uh, we've seen Ezra, but it's also tough to remember. Like, oh, that's right, this is a Flash movie, yeah. <laughs> and every the the coolest stuff we've seen has been other characters. Um, I think the design is amazing, and right. I'm really curious, um, especially considering the state of you know the DC the DC cinematic universe, mm-hmm. um, knowing how. Well, it seems Marvel is doing with their multiverse uh, approach, how DC is going to approach theirs and if they're going to be able to stick the landing. I certainly hope so. Yeah. Um, Mike, I guess we're not done with Batfleck. Thoughts? Yeah. Well, I mean, we knew, we kind of knew that. And I think this is going to be this character's send off. Uh, and I think that, you know, that that's all good. I'm excited to see how they do it. I do think the Bat Cycle looks really cool. I'm, I'm curious to see how this all goes. I do, to Shannon's point, like, if Marvel comes along, well, and they have, like with Doctor Strange 2, like, you know, oh, yeah. it's, you know, Doctor Strange is in it, Wanda's in it, Loki's in it, America Chavez is in it. And I'm like, cool, put everybody in it. You all have, you, you've done it. You, you have proven yeah. that you can do this. DC is like, well, we got Michael Keaton, we got Ben Affleck, we got Supergirl, we got The Flash. Like, I'm like, okay, <laughs> don't, like, they just make me nervous. And like, look, I am super excited for Suicide Squad. It's probably, like, I think we've talked about this before, uh, the most excited I've been for a DC movie, full stop, end yeah. sentence, I'm stoked. Like, I can't wait. So I, I want DC movies to be good. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how they use this movie to set up what happens next. Um, how they, how, how Batfleck exists and then Michael Keaton comes in. Like the interaction of all of this is key to me. Like if, if Bat, if Batfleck and Michael Keaton interact with each other and it's cool, uh, and I'm into it, like I, I would love nothing more than for Batfleck to die in this movie and me feel bad about it. Like I, like me be bummed, like be like, oh, well now, now that I, now that I'm seeing this version of it without Zack Snyder telling him what to do, I'm kind of wish he stayed around more. Uh, that that would make me the happiest and the saddest. Why but do so we'll creatives see. want to kill off main characters of these shows? I don't get what you're trying to do here. I'm just joking. I'm just oh joking. Jesus Christ! Uh, can we yeah. just can we not? Can we just wait till after the break for this? I gotta gear up for it. <laughs> no, no, I don't know if they're gonna kill him off. I, I hope they don't. I mean, he seems to be having a new life here with J Lo and everything like that. So a happy Ben is a good Ben, ladies and gentlemen. That's true. So I'd like to see Ben come back, maybe with a little bit more time. Ben comes back in his own series. I mean, an HBO Max eight-episode series every every year or two, I think would be fantastic just to see him kind of well, step into that role as he gets older. It would be a blast. I will, I will say this again. I will be the broken record that says this every time, that I yes. think the issue that DC has is that we don't know what the roadmap is, so it's hard to even imagine. Like, we have a Batgirl series coming out. Does this have anything to do with Batfleck or Michael Keaton or Robert Pattinson? Who the fuck knows? Like, we don't know, and they're just throwing so many things into the hopper, and we've got the TV shows that are one universe, and we've got the movies that are another, which is fine. Like, all these choices are fine, but because we don't know what is going on, it's harder to say, well, if Batfleck lives, is Michael Keaton sticking around and now there's two Batman in this universe? Like there's no real roadmap for it because they're kind of a little bit all over the place. Whereas with Marvel for better or for worse, like it or hate it, it's a very clear, we have this timeline. We now have a multiverse. We can do these things. And so it's easier to start to imagine how things could exist in different ways, whether we're right or wrong. And we, you know, we get, like I say, we get Mephisto'd a lot, but with DC, (laughs) I just think, I hope that post, um, I do hope that post this Flash movie, if they do it right, 
they can reset their universe and give us some new ground rules. I think Warner Brothers doesn't have the best track record creatively with creating a universe that has ground rules and sticking to it, but that's what they would, that's what they need to do here. Yeah, I agree with you. Telling the fans what you're going to do is really important. I agree. Shannon, what is your, what is your, uh, any final thoughts on this before we jump? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. I mean, the, a Flash movie has been in the works forever. Mm. Um, so the fact that he's finally getting his own, his own story on, on the big screen that he's sharing with three other superheroes, I <laughs> love that it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same complaints they have for spider-man right why can't tom holland be in his own movie and yeah we'll see we'll see down the road uh but and a lot of people saying oh that can't be bennett because he's not massive have you seen ben lately he hasn't been hitting the weights he's chilling out he's still big but he ain't what he was for when he was doing snyder's batman so it's a different approach i think so it might still be him if it's not a stuntman in there i don't know mike do you think it's him i, I mean listen he's on that dunkin donuts workout i don't know <laughs> I don't know what he's to tell that, you, man. He's on that JLo workout, putting that. I will say, oh, you, like I, I do love, yeah, I do love the um, the vicarious geek world that we live in, where mm. where Ben Affleck's moods affect us so greatly. Like a <laughs> like a picture, a picture of Ben Affleck picking up his Dunkin' Donuts and his sweats makes us all sad. And a picture of think- Ben, and a picture of Ben on the boat with JLo as he's looking off in the distance and thinking about his life makes us all happy like god god love him god love his journey god love you ben i think we love him i just think we love him where damon seems pretty chill he's got a wife his kids he's he's pretty settled guy aflac has the swings man and so i think people kind of gravitate to that because i think many of us have people in our lives who who are who can be like that and so uh, you want to cheer for them when they're when they're on the upswing for sure um (laughs) but it's a great point you make All right, uh, let's get on out of here from this section of the show. We're going to take a quick five-second break, musical break, and jump into our main topic, uh, our review and discussion over Masters of the Universe Revelations, what's going to be revealed next. Is this a good one? That's good. Only three others share my secret. The sorceress, man-at-arms, and Orko. But not Tila. Don't you dare tell Tila. All right. Well, let's get into our discussion here. Masters of the Universe Revelations came out a few days ago here on July 23rd. The synopsis, according to IMDb, is The War for Eternia begins again in what may be the final battle between He-Man and Skeletor. And this is coming to us from writer-director Kevin Smith. Also, our friend Tim Sheridan wrote some of the episodes on this uh, series as well. Eric Carrasco, Mark Bernardin, Dia uh, Mishra. Dia Mishra, I hope I'm saying that right as well. And the cast uh, uh, includes Sarah Michelle Gellar as Tila, Chris Wood as He-Man, Lena Headey, so great to see her as Evil Lynn, Mark Hamill as Skeletor, uh, Tiffany Smith, my friend uh, uh, Tiffany Smith, who I love to death, as Andra. Diedrich Bader as Trapjaw, Liam Cunningham as Man-at-Arms, Susan Eisenberg as Sorceress, uh, and Justin Long as Roboto, and Griffin Newman as Orko, Kevin Michael Richardson as Beastman, the great Henry Rollins as Triclops, Stephen Rude as Cringer, and then we get some occasional uh, um, spots from uh, Dennis Haysbert, Alan Oppenheimer, Cree Summer, 
the great Kevin Conroy, Jason Muse, Alicia Silverstone, Tony Todd, and Smith's own daughter, Harley Quinn Smith, as well as my friend Adam Gifford, who plays Vicor in that episode when they're down in Heltania, whatever it is. Um, all right, let's first have a conversation. And there was, so let's add this to the thing. Also, there was a lot of drama around this. A lot of there's been a, a huge backlash. The Rotten Tomato score on the audience side of things is around 33, 35, 38 percent. It's going up and down depending on what day you look at it. The critic score is pretty solid, above 80 percent. So a lot of positivity on the critic side for this. But the fans are feeling a little hurt by Kevin Smith, a little betrayed by this overall show. Some, uh, some, some, yeah, some said, fans. Some, sure, sure. Some of the fans, the loud fans. Uh, are certainly having issues with uh, the show overall. So we're going to discuss that and give our overall feelings. So, uh, Mikey, let's start with you. What's your well, first, uh, thoughts on Just this? so I'm clear, is this a spoiler review or a broad discussion? Ooh, I just I want to be clear let's, on let's where we're this. at. Let's do a bro- – oh, no, I guess so. I guess we should say it's a spoiler review since we're going to talk about it. So if you haven't seen it, this is your chance to stop the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And then uh, go back and watch the episodes and then join us for the rest of this conversation. Spoiler alert. Absolutely. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. All right. Let's get into it. Mike. So I, I think it's a ton of fun. Like, do okay. I don't think it's the – I don't think it's the greatest thing like in, you know, like I, I would put things like the Voltron reboot that DreamWorks did at a higher Mm. level, but I think that it is a ton of fun and I love what they did. Uh, Look, I love He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. It was like my first love as the uh, 80s kid before I got into Transformers, before I got into G.I. Joe, before I got into Star Wars. Like I bought those toys. I watched that show. I was super obsessed. It is cheesy and ridiculous. It is a giant toy commercial. The vehicles make no sense. It's a crazy ass world. And what I love about Revelations is that particularly in that first episode, they set up the, this is the world of He-Man you remember. The designs are better. The animation is better. They're actually fighting with each other. But the, the like it was like jumping right back in to an adventure from when you were a kid. Like Skeletor and the forces of Snake Mountain going after Castle Grayskull. Adam turns into He-Man, goes and does the thing. And then at the end of the first episode, the big moment where Skeletor and He-Man both die, uh, which is the, which we can dive into yep. the controversy about it in a minute, um, all of a sudden sets up stakes that never existed before. Mm-hmm. These characters were never able to do that. And then to get into the second episode and see primarily Teela, but everybody dealing with this post-He-Man, post-Skeletor world Mm -hmm. where magic is dying and that's no longer, uh, you know, Eternia was always part magic, part technology. And the magic part is fading away and seeing everybody kind of dealing with that, dealing with the idea that you were lied to about your best friend's identity and what was going on in their lives. Like there was a lot of rich stuff there. And so to take this super ridiculous world and these like over the top characters and have them all having kind of realistic reactions Mm -hmm. to something, it's a very weird sort of thing to wrap your brain around, but it was a ton of fun. Um, I thought the journey they went on was interesting. I thought having the uh, good guys and bad guys have to team up together mm. for a for a shared goal was a ton of fun. I think Eva Lynn is like one of the standout characters. I thought she was great. Uh, I thought they did a lot of really fun stuff. And then you get to the end of this part of it, the first half of the story, uh, where Skeletor gets the power of Grayskull. And where that's going to go is going to be really, really interesting. So I I had a blast. I burned through them. Um, it was like nostalgia at its best. Uh, the way that I put it to somebody was, 
I don't think that they necessarily elevated He-Man to a higher level the way that other reboots of things have done, but I don't think that was their intention. Mm. I think they wanted to give us an awesome adventure within the world. So from a geek standpoint, I thought it was a really sweet dessert, if not like a full meal. Okay. Shannon, what do you think about the overall uh, first five episodes of this season? And then we should say that this is the first five episodes. There are another five. There's a back five episodes coming very, very soon from them as well. Shannon? So it's been over 30 years since I've seen an episode of the filmation He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Mm. Um, but that was one of my shows when you came home at the end of the day. Like that yeah. was that was after school cartoons. And at the time, I loved it. I had I had Castle Grayskull. I had Battle Cat. I had all those figures. Um, watching that first episode, um, I was really excited. And then watching the first one, I didn't love it. Because I think it was still, it was setting up the world. It was setting up that connection to the old Filmation series in the 80s. Once we got to episode two, that we got to the aftermath, and you see Tila and Andra out on, an, out on their journey, um, that's where the show really clicked in for me. That's where I really started to enjoy it. It did get a little darker. It got like a, just, you know, a, a couple turns of the dial, more adult. But it is still... Masters of the Universe. There is still a character named Evil Lynn. I mean, there's still a character named Clawful. I mean, these are ridiculous. These are ridiculous characters. Now, um, and 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 I mean no disrespect to anyone that 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 series that that property is is near and dear to your heart. Again, as a kid, I loved it. Um, but it's not one of those properties that went with me as I got older, like Star Wars stayed with me. Indiana Jones stayed with me. This is just not one of those that stayed with me. So watching it as sort of a casual fan, um, the nostalgia, the nostalgia was there, but it quickly went away. I was like, ah, oh, this is kind of silly, despite the fact that I think the voice talent is absolutely top oh, yeah. tier. I mean, Liam Cunningham as uh, as Duncan is yeah. so fantastic. Um, Lena, Lena Hetty as oh Evelyn. Lynn. She's so great. So freaking good. By the time we got to the end, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the next five. Now I look at the online reaction and the people who do have this sort of very extreme Kevin Smith lied to us. He betrayed us. To me, that seems like an unusually extreme way to react to a reboot of an eighties animated series. Mm. Uh, and, and again, like I'm not, I, I'm not, uh, uh, dismissing that position. It's one that I don't really understand. Um, but it just seems like, wow, like, are you just not happy to get more, more stories of these characters? And remember back in the eighties, they didn't do serialized storytelling. Right. Each episode was an adventure. It was an adventure. Yeah, it's it, yeah, yeah. it starts, it starts and it ends. It starts and it ends. Mm -hmm. This is one big adventure. This is a limited, this is a limited series. I mean, are they going to do more after the 10? Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> based off of some reaction from the fans, maybe not. Um, but it's one big story. So that's why I think the people that are so upset that like you kill, you killed He-Man. Like it's a He-Man show without, without He-Man. I'm like, well, at this point of the story, like he's popping in there. Like you're getting, you're getting those flashbacks. You do get Prince Adam again by the, by, by episode five. Um, I, I think you kind of have to withhold judgment until you've seen the whole thing, but I'm guessing most folks aren't going to do that. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this overall. I thought the animation was stellar. Absolutely gorgeous. I thought, it was gutsy of them to kill off He-Man and Skeletor. As an adult, I was like, this is brilliant. Let's see what we got here. You gotta, sometimes you've got to take chances. And I thought they took a really 
big swing with this by killing off your two main characters. And by the way, it's called Masters of the Universe. It's not called He-Man. And that was the clue. And people started to call Kevin Smith on it. And he was like, no, no, He-Man's in it. He-Man's a part of it. I pushed back on it. I think that's where people feel a little bit betrayed. But we'll deal with that a little bit later. Um, uh, For me overall, I thought the series was absolutely enjoyable i had a really good time watching it were some of the things a little on the nose yes were they forced a little bit was it woman power all the time yes a little bit too much i've even seen some female critics come out against it and say it felt forced and and ham-handed rather than organic and natural and that's part of when you're trying to tell these lessons do i think let me finish mike do i think that they undercut some of the stuff yes evil lynn having this great moment with orko and then later joining up with skeletor anyway being i don't want to be you know enslaved to a man and then two episodes later i guess i'll be enslaved to a man it just seemed like you're undercutting the strong moments if you're going to do the if you're going to do this stuff which i think you should do this stuff because remember he-man was not teaching you lessons every episode so in that way they've kept the spirit of the show you saw orko and then when evil lynn really on the nose goes that's your parents talking it's just it's a little too for what it's it's a little too on the nose for what it's trying to do which is be a more adult approach to he-man and i thought that was a little bit off but overall i thought the voice work for the most part was great i'm not the biggest sarah michelle geller fan when it comes to her voice work i think there are levels missing for her as an actress that just aren't there and you're gonna get what you're gonna get but she's successful and she keeps getting cast so people clearly like what she does so you know it's just my opinion i think there's another stronger voiceover actress that you could have put in that position that really would have given us some interesting levels to tila's upsetness now let's get to that i think that's such a flimsy reason for her to do what she did oh you lied to me hey my son just got fucking killed how about you calm down on your being upset about being lied and let me deal with the grief of my son you think that moment is the moment to yell at the queen the mother who's just lost her son there's an arrogance and selfishness in that moment that I think they could have scripted that better. They could have had that moment later on. They could have had it with while well, she went off and you know thought about everything, and then days later came back and had that confrontation. I think that's the smarter move. I think having her get all upset in that moment, it, making her grief more important than her, than the parents of Adam's grief, I thought was a bit off. But overall. I like the journey that she's on. I like that she's, you know, kind of discovering who she is. And I really dug what Tiffany did with Andrew. I wasn't sure what to expect with a character like that, but I think they made it work overall. Uh, So I I would say that I think they missed a couple of big moments, but overall I liked the gutsiness of what they decided to do. And even in the end, Adam's not dead. He's not dead. He's mortally wounded, but he's not dead. And even Chris Wood who's the actor came out in a recent interview and said, he's not dead. Kevin Smith used more colorful words to describe the fact that he's not dead. So, uh overall that's what i would say is it's an enjoyable watch but i had some issues with some of the heavy-handed approach to some of the things they really wanted you to get so so i actually agree that i think it does get a little heavy-handed i think it's not a nuanced show for sure and i think some some moments definitely landed and you're kind of like ah yeah i agree with what you're trying to do uh don't fully uh on the whole like girl power thing i'll push back on that a little bit that even as a kid in the 80s it was pretty well established that 
aside from like Man at Arms, Tila was like one of the best warriors. I mean, and most episodes were Man at Arms, Tila, and yeah. He Man. So the idea that Tila's still one of the most badasses in a world where He Man's not around, and similarly with Snake Mountain, Evelyn was the only henchman of Skeletors that wasn't a fucking moron. Like right. everyone else was an idiot. So in in these two characters kind of coming together and going on this journey, and Evelyn showing up and being like, "Here's what we need to do," and Tila coming into that, like. Yeah. That didn't strike me as uh, like the Marvel Endgame girl power moment where they were really trying to force it. I was like, yeah, if if Man at Arms is off, you know, chilling with Roboto and Orko. Um, Wait a minute, but he's only off chilling with Roboto because what's her face kicked her out. What's her face that I want nothing to do with you. So it's not like he was like, you know what? I'm cool. No. I'm hang out with Roboto. Well, no, the king, the king, the king, well, the king, king Randolph. Him, but also she, Tila said, I want nothing to right. do with you. Well, yeah. okay, so let's, so let's talk about that for a minute. Like, look. We we take this whole secret identity thing for granted because we've grown up in a world where everyone had a secret identity. It sure. was Superman. It's Batman. It's He-Man. Like, most of our heroes had this double life. What I loved about this show, and, uh, you know, the Brian Michael Bendis Superman run in the past few years has dealt with this with Superman as well. Mm-hmm. Like, lying to all of the people that are closest to you, like, sure, we all take it as for granted that it's the, well, it's to protect the people I love. But realistically, if you were leading a double life, the people that are closest to you would be really fucking pissed and hurt, and I, it's it, a wait, fucking mess. If you were a superhero, I would not be upset about the fact that you were a superhero and you didn't tell me about it. If you were a serial killer and you didn't tell me about it, that's well, a different situation. Good. Then then if I am ever a superhero, I know that I can keep it secret from you and our friendship is intact. But I'm Absolutely. saying Absolutely. that emotionally that emotionally <laughs> treading into this my ass. Anyway, go, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. But like emotionally <laughs> treading into this territory, treading into this territory where someone who this was my best friend over here, and right. then this is this person that I may or may not have had romantic feelings for, but definitely was like my partner who I fought with, and they were the same person the entire like that is I, I accept the fact that you're gonna tell a journey that is I feel kind of shitty. Also, my dad lied to me. Also, fucking you told Orco. Um, you know, I think that to me, <laughs> that is a that is an inch, you know, the sorceress knew like everything that Tila has fought for, the people she's been fighting with, everything she believed in, found out everyone around her knew the secret and nobody was telling her. Um, I think that that is whether or not that's a hundred percent realistic, we can all argue for days. I do think that is interesting character work and story stuff to a mind, thousand percent, for a sure. Thousand percent, yeah. Just the um, timing of it, I think, was as far as like the whole, as far as the whole like fanboy reaction, look, maybe it wasn't Netflix's best move to do five and five. Maybe they, you know, of course they couldn't have anticipated this. Um, um, and sure, I do understand, like I said, I loved He-Man growing up, but I loved the world and I loved all the characters. So I thought this was a great and interesting journey. If you loved He-Man the way that I would love like seeing a Superman thing where I love Clark, a Superman's my guy. Right. Um, and seeing him sort of be absent from these five episodes as far as like being in on the main action and the main storyline, I do understand how that's disappointing. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, screw you. It's Masters of the Universe because you should like everybody. Like, if you like He-Man and you're missing him, that is valid. I get that. That is cool. But beyond that, He-Man is in the first episode. He's yeah. gone for two episodes. Yeah. Then Adam shows up and spoiler alert, he's He-Man. Right. And then he's in the fourth and fifth episode and he's not dead. And now he doesn't have the power anymore. And the last five episodes are going to be his journey to make amends with the people he lied to figure out who he is on the yeah. inside. And I'm sure get the sword back and fight Skeletor. So 
I, I think that like when Kevin Smith comes out and says this is absolutely a He-Man story, I don't think he was lying. He wasn't talking about the first five episodes. He was talking about the 10 episode arc. And I think that Tila is definitely a prominent member here. But if you know anything about Tila's history from the Masters of the Universe animated series, and they've been hinting at it with a fucking spotlight in these five episodes, they're not setting her up to be the next He-Man. Right, right, right. That is not her journey. Her journey has a lot more feathers than is at Castle Grayskull. Like, and having a character who has turned her back on magic have a past and a destiny that leads directly towards being a part of the magic is a good arc for her. So I think that everyone's freak out about this. I find a little bit ridiculous. And all of the argument about why Tila's muscular and how could they make Tila the thing? Oh, yeah. Nobody I, wants Tila. Like... I don't just stop it, guys. Yeah. Just stop it, guys. It's, I mean, he is the size of a goddamn mountain. So, I mean, the woman being <laughs> big, I don't have an issue with that. The haircut thing, they get upset. Katy Perry did that. It's it's a way of reclaiming your power. And who are you as men to tell a woman what she can do to reclaim her power? So that kind of stuff is really like, I'm just like, you're going way too far with the criticism. There are legitimate criticisms to be had here about story, about character work or whatever. But to go to that level, I think, is a bit far. And I don't know, did I miss it, Mike and Shannon? People are saying there might be this kind of maybe lesbian undertones or whatever. I didn't sense that. I just sensed that they were sisters in Between, battle and they were Andre? friends with Andre. Yeah, I didn't sense. There were no like, uh, there, there's no lip biting I, like you saw in Star Wars. I didn't see any of that. I just saw two women, badass women being friends on these missions and there wasn't no extra like a handhold or there wasn't kind well, of like a, a longing look. And not that it shouldn't be there. I'm just saying I don't sense that. And people were digging let me ask, for that. So. Well, let me ask you a question. Did you ever sense a, a, a romantic tension or romantic thing between Tila and He-Man? Yeah. Well, it's spoken about in one of the episodes that there's a moment where I think that Tila expresses some kind of moment where she. But Tila also expresses affection for a male character in the he, original He-Man series. And then, of course, uh, Adam has some occasional affection. I think uh, uh, the B, Miss B or whatever has some kind of affection for her in that episode. And he expresses it. So we, we do I just, sense. It's not that she can't go both ways. I don't have a problem with that. I don't give a shit about no, that. No, no, no. I wasn't, I wasn't, trying, I wasn't okay. trying to catch her okay. or anything. I think, I think that, uh, like, I, to I don't me. Think they're supposed to be together. I, no, I don't, I don't think, think so either. either yeah, but I think yeah. that a lot of people, uh, if you were to talk to them, would be like, oh, yeah, I always felt like Tila, you know, had a thing for He-Man. And I think that mm. T, what Tila had with He-Man is just as vague or not vague is what Tila has with Andra. What exactly. I think is, yeah. what I think is it doesn't like, like I would say out of the three of us, I probably did. Like there was maybe a couple moments or a couple lines where I was like, okay. Oh, like, are they maybe together? Okay. But I think that I look like to me, it's much more, and maybe this is because I am gay, but like, to me, it's not like a look. If Tila's with He-Man, cool. If Tila's Wait, with what? Andra, cool. Like, I don't feel like, yeah, sorry guys. Have you had a whole double like, life as a gay? I've led an entire double <laughs> life. I <laughs> am. <laughs> I am hesexual, master <laughs> of the gay of the gayverse. Um, no, I just think that I just think that um, you know I think people are looking for it to be like this. Well, like they held hands and they looked at each other, and she's like, "I would die for you." I'm like, "Look, she could be with Andra. I'd be super down for that. Like, I'd be super down for her to be with Andra and still have a crush on He Man." Or, but I, what I really do like is that, and I will say this is also good. Like, especially in that fourth episode where they were in Paternia or Paternia or whatever the heaven was called. Um, I love that he, both Tila and He-Man in the flashbacks and Tila and Adam, when they were like on the hunt, you really saw these two as best friends. Like they're really doubling down in this relationship that Tila and Adam were really, really, really close, which is why she was so 
betrayed that he didn't tell her this stuff um, on either side, as He-Man or as Adam. And I think that they did a really nice job in very... Like, in a, in a show where I agree with John that some things got heavy-handed, I thought that the way they handled Tila and Adam's relationship was actually really kind of nuanced and nice and lovely. Shannon, you haven't spoken to it. What do, what do you think about everything we've been saying and your own thoughts as well as we talk about this? I mean, I, I, I definitely love Jason Mewes as Stinkor. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought the casting... <laughs> <laughs> of, of Jay to be a character. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure Stinkor wasn't in the animated series. I remember. Well, the she says figure. it's an old person. Oh, oh, he was. Or if he was, I was in the animated series. Yeah. Well, he, he might have been. De- I. He was definitely in the comics. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't remember. I don't remember him being in the animated series. That that being said, I I there's a lot of stuff I didn't remember from the animated series. I just <laughs> I just remember I just remember how that toy smelled. Oh, I yeah. like that. It smelled bad as to how Moss Man smelled great. Oh, I loved Moss um, Man. That did, Moss Man toy was great. Smells which, like pine. the funny thing yeah. with Moss Man, I mean, it's, it's interesting that Moss Man had, you know, a lot of people had uh, issue with the fact that Moss Man was kind of off in the first episode, but then he comes back and, you know, in, in some form, um, is that Moss Man was literally a Beast Man figure that they put a new coat of paint on. Yeah. And people got so upset that they that they killed Moss Man. And I was like, I, I thought Mo- the fact that they have Alan Oppenheimer, who was the voice of the original Skeletor, right. voicing like he with an incredible performance. Like I thought the the, the two bits of the five ser- or the five episodes that he is in. He is fantastic. Also, if you guys haven't watched the behind the scenes on Master of the Universe, mm. which is on Netflix as well, it's really, really great. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. Look, I mean, people, people are <laughs> hold things, hold different things closer to their hearts. Mm-hmm. And I, again, it's not my place to be like, hey, that's that's a that's a silly argument. You're you're wrong. Um Again, I might not understand it. Uh, the the level of vitriol that some people have, the whole Tila having muscles thing. It's like, well, if she's supposed to be a really badass warrior, yeah. reason dictates that yeah. she would probably have, have a, you know, be be in good shape. Yeah, I'm from the <laughs> image days where everybody had muscles upon muscles. It doesn't matter. Like it's irrelevant to me. It's not like sh- everyone else was like this waifish thing, and then she was this massive creature. You know, it just seemed weird. You know, they, did you like even Lynn had like, muscles for fuck's sake? Yeah, what? Oh yeah, that staff is heavy. Um, <laughs> the uh, Kevin Smith did an interview in Variety. Yeah, and uh, he he has a great he has a great quote here. He says, "I see people I see people online go, hey man, they're getting rid of He Man. Like you really fucking think Mattel Television, who hired me and paid me money, wants to do a fucking Masters of the Universe show without He Man? Grow the fuck up, man! Like that blew my mind. Bunch I, of so people like, oh, I smell I this is a bait and switch." Well, I will say, oh, go ahead, John. Go ahead. No, no, just go ahead, say John. real quick. I, I also think Kevin's kind of mischaracterizing some people's complaints for his own narrative to deliver in that interview. They're not saying the, the, the way, way less intelligent ones are out there screaming about he's killing him, man. But there are legitimate complaints about what he's made decision wise, plot wise, story wise, character wise decisions he's made and the staff have made with some of these characters. Because, Michael, I mean, I, I, you're gay. I mean, if this idea of having what? a person. <laughs> But this idea of having a person reveal their secret identity and some one of their best friends like gets mad at them, walks off and doesn't want anything to do with them. That's a tough. I mean, I, as a gay person, that seems to be sending the wrong message to be putting and making that person the protagonist of the series. 
That being said, I, though, she does come around later. That's the thing that I think some of these criticisms don't give credit to. Tila comes around on her feelings about all of this as the as the five episodes come along. And some of these criticisms haven't given the show credit for that. She does come to terms with Duncan. She does come to terms with Adam when they're down in that Preternia and then and later in Hell as well when they come out of it to go to Castle Grayskull. So there is a resolution of her hurt feelings there. So they well, do pay that off. Sorry, Mikey. And I think, but I mean, I think even as a gay man, like, I do think that it's like, look, I don't think, like, like, no one's saying that Adam was doing it maliciously. They're not trying to personify him as I was fucking with you and gaslighting you. He had his reasons for keeping his secret, but I don't think that Tila being hurt by that is uh, a bad color for her. Like, I think that... Uh, much like finding out that someone in your life who you're very, very close to for a long time was leading a double life and was gay and you didn't know him, whatever. I think that there are hurt feelings and misunderstandings and you do need to have these talks. And I think that watching this in action, like rather than just living in a world where people have secret identities and we accept it and okay, that's cool. You don't ever have to say who you are. Diving headfirst into these are the feelings you have. Let's work through this and come out. And our relationship is stronger now, which I think is where we're going to end up. Um, We are better fighters. We are better protectors of Eternia. We are better masters of the universe because we don't have these lies and these deceptions and these things between us. I think that's a good story to tell. I think so. Um, I think think that's valid. I I just... Oh, man. (laughs) I just... I just really wish, like, this whole narrative of everything that I loved, the woke left is trying to change it and and force diversity in and force women power, girl power, and enforce this stuff in. I'm like, just shut up. I mean, like, honestly, like, it's like, because, like, we live in a world where, and, like, I say this, like, I'm a white dude. Also, shocker, if you didn't know. But, like, I'm a white dude, and I grew up watching a bunch of white dudes on TV, and I saw myself. But I was also gay, and I, in that respect, didn't see myself. Mm. And we have so many friends who are not white. I mean, John, you as a Latin, you you, you as a Latino, you're like, you're always talking about more representation in the superhero world and all these things. And it's like... We live in a world where everyone else has had to sit and watch the white, the white cisgender straight guy be the lead role, the hero, forever and ever and ever and ever. And the second that you just change it a little bit, give another person the focus for a few episodes, God, you would think that you were like fucking, you know, hmm. bombing people's childhood. And so I just think that like, I love seeing all kinds of characters as leads. Yeah, I love seeing Tila as the lead. I love seeing Evelyn step up. I love seeing all these things. So I just really wish that everybody would calm down and just accept that all of these characters have stories to tell and we should enjoy all of them. I, I would like that too. I mean, I, I do I, I want to say one last thing. For, you, you brought this up being a person of color. I mean, all the former heroes pretty much are people of color, except for the white dude who that Phil Lamar uh, uh, voiced. And, but they're all dead. And the fact that you have Grayskull named after the actual original guy was black. And I'm like, God damn it. Don't give us that. Give us more. Don't give us that. But you only have what you, you only can work with what you have. Right. So I hope that becomes something more down the road that we get more color in He-Man, the Masters of the Universe. If you can, you can create new characters in this mythology. And I hope we start to see people of color become the main people because 
watching two white women doesn't really move the ball that much. You know, it's still a white person. Oh. So we want one of them see... is one of them is kind of yellowish. Oh my god. We want to see women of color and men of color be leads in these animated series or be moved into prominent roles or created to be yeah. part of that's what I would like to see. But I'm not Dean Kevin or anybody involved in the production for that because you can only work with the characters you have from the 80s. And I think I think they put their 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 guts on the line and took a shot at this thing. And overall, it makes me curious to see the next five episodes because I've been bored watching animation stuff. These five episodes were not boring. Did I have issues with some things? Sure, but overall, this was interesting stuff. Uh, wow. Overall, I like what they were trying to do. As your best friend who works as your best friend who works in animation, I'm sorry that I'm so boring to you. I didn't say your shit was boring. That's uh, not what I heard. No, the action sequences, those are good. I'm just joking. Uh, but Shannon, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what I do. <laughs> All right. Any final words? Uh, I think Mike and I had our final words. Shannon, do you want any final words here? Uh, look, I mean, I if you if you don't like this new version. The, the one from the 80s still exists. The one yeah. from 2002 still exists. The one starring Dolph Lundgren still exists. Um, not every version of every character you're going to love. Yeah. So, But I think if you can kind of go in with an open mind and, and, and hopefully you, you, will, you will enjoy the, the first half of this journey. Also, Triclops and the, and the techno cult. Come on. That's that's fantastic. I mean, there's so many, I there's so many little bits that they threw out there that I'm like, oh, that's yeah. really fun and smart. And yeah, I mean, I just it's not your thing. It's not your thing. But no yeah. one no one is at no one is after your childhood. And I got a weird feeling that we that Evil Lynn may turn on Skeletor by the last five episodes. Just got a weird feeling. I think I think so. I, I was going to actually mention that to your yeah. point. Like the, the her going off with Skeletor after her big speech about not following a man. Like, I don't think that was we set something up and then we just took it back. I mm -hmm. think that they wrote, I mean, and everybody keep in mind, like they wrote this as a 10 episode yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So I right, think right. like Evelyn going with Skeletor is a part of her journey. And I think there's more to it on that front as well. Right, exactly. exactly. Plus he's a skeleton. He's not really a man. Yeah, <laughs> true. Fair ah! <laughs> yeah, and a, a, a little less of the Joker one-liners would be nice. I would like to cut some of that out because it makes you know, me think of Joker and not Skeletor. When that's, he was like, he's like, love you, Lenny. I was like, that's Joker. That is not fucking Skeletor. Anyway, sorry. I'm, you know, that's the one, that's the one casting that, I mean, I know we all love Mark Hamill, but yeah, all yeah. I hear is the Joker yeah. and Skeletor. And it's like, yeah. ah, maybe, you, maybe you should, like Mark Hamill is a huge get for right. any, for any project. So, but, but just listening to him, I'm kind of like, ah, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't the guy to yeah. be, to be Skeletor in my opinion. Well, we'll see. We got a back five episodes to uh, keep an eye on coming uh, at some point down the road. I haven't heard if there's a release date for the back five episodes, uh, but correct us in the chat if you or in the uh, comment section if we do. Uh, but thank you very much for watching this episode of the Geek Buddies and for watching this review specifically because I'm going to cut this out. Uh, Shannon, uh, what do we got to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? Um, you know what? We like all the masters of the universe here. <laughs> Every single one of them. Everyone, no matter 
what character you are, we like everybody because we like having all the buddies here. And so if you like being one of our buddies, uh, here's some things you can do that help us keep going. You can hit that like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page where there's all kinds of fun stuff for you to check out. Like they said, leave a comment below. What do you think of Dune? What do you think of Ghostbusters? What were your thoughts on He-Man? Like, let us know your thoughts on all this. We'd love to see what you guys think. Um, if you are listening to us on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us uh, some comments there. Leave us some stars. It helps us go up in the rankings. And of course, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, repost it, uh, put it up on any of your social media accounts, tell people to check out the Geek Buddies, um, because we like getting as many people as possible to be a part of our little corner of the geek universe. Absolutely. All right. Thank you all so much for watching. We'll talk to you next time on another brand new episode of The Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.